0: a conversation or a series just this Sunday and next Sunday, um, uh, uh, titled Awkward Moments That Are Awesome. It's really a study of some of the conversations Jesus has in the Bible that at first glance seem pretty awkward, but actually we're going to discover that to get to awesome, you have to go through awkward, and we're going to discover that being having discomfort is actually part of our spiritual journey because discomfort helps us get To God's destiny for our lives. You just can't avoid all the awkward things in life. Sometime or another, you're gonna have to have an awkward conversation in your job, an awkward conversation with your partner, an awkward conversation with the most important awkward conversation, you in the mirror, and you're gonna have to face some things. And if you live a life where all awkwardness is avoided, eventually, You're going to fall into bad habits. You're going to live a smaller life than the life God intended and you're going to trip and fall. I wonder how many of you know, just before we get into stranger things, how many of you know what the shortest verse in the Bible is? Now, I'll bet most people know what it is, just not where it is. The shortest verse in the Bible is just two words. It says, the saints are sitting here. Churched and un- no, I'm, I'm, I'm here. No, that's very unfair. You're right. It's in John chapter eleven, verse thirty-five. Jesus went. That whole chapter is very powerful. It's the chapter of the story of Lazarus resurrected from his death. It's also the story of Lazarus' family, Mary and Martha, and the whole conversation around that. There's something very powerful about this moment. A couple of things about it. First of all, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus only, according to the Gospels, raised three people from the dead during his life. I find three an incredible number. It's three very important parts of the story of Jesus, a servant woman and a centurion's daughter and so forth. But Lazarus was his first. He resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Spider-Man is going to preach at the back there. Um, for somebody. Uh, I'll tell you why uh, that uh, passage of Scripture is so powerful. First of all, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, Jesus acts fully as God. For only God can raise the dead. We believe that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. When he calls him out from the cave and says, Lazarus, rise up and walk, he is acting as God. But in John chapter 11, verse 35, he weeps that is acting fully as man. In that moment, the humanity and the divinity of God intercepted at one moment in time. But the part of the conversation I want to have with you tonight is the part where Lazarus has to walk out of the cave. I think there are a lot of people, probably some in this room, you've heard the voice of God and you've made a response in your heart to him, but you've taken no steps. So although you are saved, you're still stuck in a cave of some kind. It took some courage for Lazarus to come out. I don't know what condition he was in. We just know that he'd been dead a few days. And I know when he gets out of the cave, people help him unwrap his grave clothes. But the first few steps must have been difficult. Tonight, I want to encourage you to take the first few steps. They are awkward. Your first prayer is awkward. Your first tithe is awkward. And your second. And your third. Sometimes your fifth. One great preacher, Spurgeon, said that the gospel first reaches the heart when a man is saved. And then eventually the wallet before he dies. (laughs) And I think there are awkward things. The first time you say to your partner, we're not doing that. I'm born again. The first time you say sorry for using words that are inappropriate, the first time you take a few steps out of the cave of your death and into the light of your resurrection is going to be awkward. But if you can get past the awkwardness, what awaits you is God's awesomeness over your life. It's when you say no to some words that God gives you new words. It's when you say no to some lusts that God gives you new passions. It's when you say no to some boundaries that God gives you new borders. And somewhere along the line, we just have to get past it. Exodus chapter 3 introduces a word I'm going to use tonight quite a bit. Moses is traveling through the wilderness and he gets to the burning bush. And he says, Uh, I'll go uh, over and see this strange sight, um, uh, why the bush uh, does not burn up. He saw fire and flame, but the bush was still okay. It was the strangeness of it. It contradicted what he thought was normal that attracted his attention. It might be time for the believer to accept that some things are going to contradict what is normal. What everybody else says is normal shouldn't be your standard. It's what God says is normal that should become your standard. A few more things should become strange to us, and we should become strangers to a few more things. Can you say amen to that? When we come to church, people shouldn't say, hello, stranger. When you go to the club, people should say, hello, stranger. When, some of you are like, I'm going after, I'm a, this guy mustn't preach long yeah. <laughs> we have become family to the wrong things, familiar to the wrong things, but we have become strangers to the right things. It's time for a mighty turnaround. To you know that all of us, although we may have some kind of family environments that teach us certain things, all of us arrive on this earth disconnected from God in need of redemption and everything else we learn. People like to tease me and I like to tease myself over my Greekness. You can tell by looking at me, my ears and my nose immediately, that I am Greek, perhaps even Arab. A true saintly stature. People assume that I enjoyed all forms of Greek food straight away. But I have a confession to make. The first time I ate an olive, I threw up. I found it harder to eat an olive than to eat sushi. This doesn't make me Japanese. This simply means I'm going to have to get used to something until it's not foreign to me anymore. After a while, I had a few. My parents were wise. They gave me the sweet ones. You know, the ones with something in it to take the pressure off. Now I eat the bitter ones like an old goat on the farmlands. I'm quite comfortable with it. I make it part of my identity. Some of you find some of the biblical truths a little difficult at the beginning. They seem strange to you. But if you'll persevere and get through the walk from the inside to the outside of the cave, it won't be long that you too will say, this feels very familiar to me. This is normal to me. The first few times you read the Bible, and I remind you, I was taught to read the Bible in the good saintly version of the King James. It had that Shakespearean language with these and those. It felt so foreign to me. It was a strange thing. I'd read it and I'd be so confused. Eventually I thought, I know why pastors do this. They make us read it like this so that they can have jobs to explain to us. And then the message translation came out and simplified all of that. It was foreign. I wondered about it. I wasn't great at languages in school. And here I was reading the Bible in the toughest of translations because my pastor said that's the only one to read. But you know what? After a few months, after a year or two, it wasn't strange anymore. In fact, it became ordinary to me. When I hear certain verses, I immediately light up. I still think some verses in the Bible are best said. In King James, they've just got a clout. Even Lazarus' story, in the New Translations, it says, Lazarus was giving off the smell of death, The King James says, for he stinketh. I mean, that's a punch in the guts. You never, telling a friend, they may be giving off a slight odour, is friendlier than telling a friend, brother, you stinketh. But you've got to get familiar with it. It's an absolute lie that unless I feel like it's right, I'm not going to do it. In the first few steps of the faith, your feelings don't know what to feel. You'll have to tell them what to feel. In fact, things that are at first our preference are eventually going to lose their taste for us. And things that we think are the strangest of things are going to become ordinary customary to us. You've got to become a stranger to a few things and you've got to become family to a few things. 1 Peter chapter 4 even says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange is happening to you. Do you know what this verse says? It would be strange if you didn't have trials now and then. This verse says, I know nobody's going to make it their verse of the night. Nobody's going to say, I am. I joined the family of suffering tonight. Nobody likes that. But let's be honest. If you're a true believer and you want your faith to be full of fire, from time to time, you will face some kind of trial because trials stoke the fire of your faith. And you should say to yourself, it's not strange that this is happening. This is normal. It's my new normal. Can you say amen to that? Recently got cold enough to light the fire in the fireplace. It's one of those highlight moments in Port Elizabeth when the weather finally turns and you can turn on the fireplace. One of the things about fires is that you have to stoke them. You have to take a stick and poke around a bit in there and get the ash off and clean it up a bit. Get another log in there. Do you know what trials do? They dust off the cobwebs and they shake off the ash so you can burn brighter. When it happens, you should say, this is not a strange thing. I'm so grateful for the privilege of the opportunity of times of testing because they produce in me perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character must finish its work. Stop acting like you don't know that that is normal for the believer. Too many Christians are trying to be strangers to suffering, keeping their distance. I don't want any trouble. I just want blessing. Oh Lord, I just want to be blessed, blessed in the morning and blessed in the evening. That's very beautiful. I like it. But just remember that you can't be, you can be blessed in the morning and in the evening. But if your carry capacity is that you have a small soul, you can't take everything that God has in mind for you. Suffering makes you bigger. And we shouldn't be strangers to that. And then there's another idea in scripture that talks about what's foreign or strange to us and what's normal or familiar or family, familiar, family to us. Acts chapter 17, the apostles were preaching and look what the guy said. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears. We'd like to know what they mean. Do you know if Christianity and our faith didn't have something strange in it to everyone else, then there wouldn't be anything to, to do, anything to choose. When somebody says in their faith, this is what we do. When we start every day, we're committed to the Lord. Your life should be lived in such a way that somebody who is not a follower should say, you're a little strange. Now, some saints are strange in all the wrong ways. They are strange in a weird way, not strange in an honourable way. They're not strange because of their tastes and preferences. They're just weird because they're extreme in all the wrong things. If I see one more post about a saint wasting olive oil by anointing things that don't need to be anointed, I'm going to start typing back. Jesus anoints people. Stop anointing inanimate objects. Anoint the people in your life. Lay hands on people in your life. It's easy to anoint your car. It doesn't talk back. But how about anointing your driving skills? And asking Jesus to keep you within the law. Oh, no one's amening that. You're weird. You're not strange. Stop being weird. The world is not attracted to weird. There are a million weird people on TikTok. It'll take me five minutes to find someone weirder than you. But not even five, if I'm honest. Three. There are some strange. There are some, wow. I just think of you, the next generation, and I pray for you. One day when I go home, I'm going to be looking down and I'm going to be saying, God be with you. <laughs> I understand the book of Acts a little more now where it says David served the purposes of God in his generation and then went to sleep. Oh, I know that, what that verse means. You have to get to 50 to know what that verse means. That verse basically means I did my bit and now I'm closing my eyes <laughs> and good luck and God bless the rest of you all strange, but not weird. I worry that weirdness has overtaken the biblical sense of being a stranger to the world and family to the kingdom of God. That's not radical. Radical is built on principles. That's strange. So there are a couple of ideas. How am I doing on time? So how's this for a joke? Just just humor though. It's just humor. It's just humor. But this morning, I suggested that I should preach until the power comes back on so we could have coffee. And the power came on at 9.30, I think. No, 10.30. But tonight, it only comes on at 8.30. So I suggest you settle in. We've still got one and a half hours to go. You want to know about a strange church service? This will be one of them. No, don't. I'm joking. I'm going to wrap up in about 5 to 45 minutes for sure. Here are a couple of principles about this. And for the next Sunday, I'm going to do more conversations Jesus has that are initially awkward, but when you think about them, they're awesome. And my goal is this, to encourage you to ask Jesus to have the awkward conversations with you to get you to awesome. Don't avoid them. Stop thinking that everything has to feel okay in order to be your vibe. Some things are going to feel terrible and they'll be more than your vibe. They'll be your destiny first of all, I want to encourage you that we must acknowledge that we live in a strange world. If you're going to get this right, you've got to recognize you, living God's way, are the normal one and everything else is strange. We forget about this. People, Christians, start going around saying, I'm the odd one out. No, the world is odd. You are are living according to God's divine design. Clappable moment. We have to stop pretending that everything out there is the standard and we're off. We need to start saying, we have found the designer's standard. Everything else is off. It's off. You know the way God wants us to do relationships? That's the standard. The way it's being done everywhere else? That's a bit off. We started apologizing for what is biblically normal because we think that what is worldly normal is somehow better. Stop apologizing. It's a strange world out there. Do you know all the saints in the Bible saw themselves as just journeying through the world and saw themselves as strangers and foreigners in it. They never got too comfortable. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you, As aliens, oh, I've used the King James Version. Now, a King James Version today, now you're like aliens, okay, okay. I want to email George about the aliens. As aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sensual urges, uh, those dishonourable desires that wage war against the soul. This passage of Scripture says, I'm not going to accept that what everybody else thinks is normal should be my normal. Yesterday, we had a nail-biting, stressful rugby game in South Africa. Even I prayed. Now, usually when it comes to rugby, I wish the players well at the start of the game and Briar while it plays in the background. But yesterday, all the prayer warriors were summoned to pray. We prayed so hard, we took three, four opposition players clean off the field on yellow cards. It was everything we could do. But down the road from me, or actually on Mount Road, up the road from me, there was a student house having a good time. The game ended. Their good time got louder. By half past nine, one very high and drunk student was making their way down Mount Road, screaming awful things. Some of the rudest statements I have have not heard. I have not word abnormality and strangeness like that in years. My dogs woke me up. I stood outside on the balcony and tried to do the corrective stare. You know, that's the stare that you do without saying anything in the hopes that the unsaved person, the demon possessed and the confused on the other side will catch a wake up. But in his drunkenness, he couldn't tell where I was looking. I thought, I'll try the fatherly shout, hey! (laughs) Go home! Further words came my way that should not be expressed here or anywhere else, actually. Not on Mount Road or a road on a mountain or a road near a mountain or down in the valley or anywhere. But he was also high. He was talking to an invisible friend. He was crisscrossing the four-lane traffic. Now, my point is, I had gone to bed a little earlier. I'd read my Bible after praying for the rugby, had a nice meal, and gone to bed. Just for a moment, between the two of us, who do you think is normal? And who do you think is strange? If you think I woke up this morning thinking, gosh, you know, that guy is normal. I'm a little strange. I did not have that thought. I thought to myself, I wonder about that strange world that I saw last night. I took it one step further though because now I was awake. I was awake and I was prayed up and I was ready for church which made me an evangelist. I went down to the gate. I gave the stare. I said, hey! What came back was a frightening statement. He said, oh my God, Pastor George. I said, he is my God. I am worried whether he is yours. (laughs) Don't bring God into this little cosplay you got going on. He was only in his underpants, by the way. I'm not sure what play he was at. Maybe he's online tonight. Maybe he's in the service. For sure. He's going to walk past me up and down Mount Road carrying the biggest Bible ever sold in Mandela Bay in order to correct his sins. Don't make me strange. You're strange. You live in a worldly sensual desire, a dishonorable one. It wages war against your soul. My soul is at peace. I'm not the strange one. I have become familiar with heaven's family and I have made worldliness a stranger to me. You've got to get past it. It's going to be uncomfortable. Not only do we live in a strange world, but secondly, we are strangers in the world. I don't expect everybody to get what I'm doing. And I don't expect everybody to agree with it. And I don't think everybody I meet is going to like me or be my friend or support what I'm doing. It's an unrealistic expectation from a strange and broken world. It doesn't mean I should feel bad about it. It just means I should remember it. You've got to recognize that if you're truly following Christ, there are going to be a few people who will distance themselves from you. That shouldn't be strange. That should be normal. Hebrews 11 says, "For By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not even receive these promises. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Even when they got to the promised land, they said, you know how these people are thinking and these people in this land are are, are living? That's not us. That's not for me. Would you please stop fitting in? Because you're fitting in amongst people who aren't sure themselves what they're doing. Why don't you be the light instead of constantly looking for somebody else's light? We've been taught to admire people For the weirdest reasons. Do you know whenever you admire someone, they become light to you? Every time you admire someone, you start to emulate them, right? I watched them. It's it's made a big comeback in your generation. But in my generation in the 1800s, (laughs) Friends was popular on TV. It's still a thing, isn't it? Yeah, because lots of stuff that was started in my generation is still a thing. There is some, one actress, actor in it, Rachel. Oh, right. Now I've touched on sensitive matters. Well, during that first viewing of friends, she had her hair cut a certain way. Hairstylists around the world had to learn how to do that haircut. Within about 10 days, every woman who had ever seen a TV was queuing up outside their hairstylist to get, you know what? They admired her, wanted to be like her. The action wasn't difficult because the adoration was there. By now you know I'm preaching. Your action wouldn't be difficult if your adoration was there. If you admired him, you'd be queuing up for the next 10 days to get every style, every statement, every action and every decision he took because your admiration of him would be your light to your life. But instead, we got neon LED lights of admiration. We admire Mr. Beast on YouTube and we admire crazy people on TikTok and then we admire somebody else on TV and we admire somebody else in our circle of friends and somewhere in that group of people we admire stands Jesus. And we pick an outfit out of all of them. We take a little out of this and a little out of that and a little out of the next thing. And we don't quite fit anywhere. We don't fit in church so much. And we don't fit in the world so much. Can I tell you, the Bible says it's worse to be half a Christian than no Christian at all. You know, the Bible says that because you have no friends on either side. You see, if you're a true believer, some of the world will judge you, but a lot of the church will love you. If you're a true rebel, some of the world will love you and some of the church will judge you. I wish it wasn't true, but it is. But if you're somewhere in the middle, the church isn't sure whether you're running with us and the world isn't sure if you're running with them. And when you open your eyes one day, you're running alone up or down Mount Road. (laughs) There I will find you, by the way. I will bring you here. Thirdly, our ears should be practiced at knowing when something sounds strange. It's important that we know what something should sound like. Have you ever decided if something is broken or working based on how it sounds? You ever turn something on in your house and it just doesn't sound the same as it was supposed to sound? And you can say, that doesn't sound right. It sounds strange. Well, it's one of the tests of awkwardness is that something should start to sound strange to you. John 10 verse five says, but they will never follow a stranger, you and I. In fact, they will run away from him Because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. There's something very powerful about recognizing that Jesus has a sound and the world has a sound. Each has a frequency. And some things in the frequency of the world should sound unpleasant to your ears. And some things, all things that come from heaven come at a frequency that should make your ears full of peace. Some things should just sound strange. You know, we're coming into a world now where people are talking about things as though they're not weird, as if they're normal. Maybe we need to let the Holy Spirit awaken the idea that that sounds just strange. Celebrities are starting to sound strange. People saying, we've got an open marriage. Oh, what does that mean? Well, as long as we've given each other permission to have sexual relationships outside of our marriage, that's okay. Am I allowed to say, that sounds strange? Please don't call me strange for lifting my hands up in a song of worship or singing Yeshua more times than you can handle. When your sound sounds like that, we should have pride in our obedience to Christ. Paul says, If I'm going to boast in anything, I'm going to boast in Jesus Christ, His cross, His resurrection, and His change in my life. I will boast about that, he says. Because if I don't boast about that, I'm going to start believing the world's boast. It's strange stuff. Hebrews 13, 9 says, Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. So not only is the world sounding strange, but there's a couple of strange things coming into church too. And every now and then, our ears need to say, Huh? That sounds strange to me. That sounds strange. Every now and then I'll get an email. Someone will have found some combination of strange verses that they mixed together like a bad recipe. <laughs> you know, some things by themselves, verses all true, all powerful, mix them a certain way and you get strange stuff. How's this thing too? I don't know why I was so bored, but I was very bored and I was watching some Netflix series about um, the Fundamentalist Latter Day. What's it? F-N-L-D-S. Anyway, this guy has found verses in the Bible to explain why he needs 30 wives. He's marrying first cousins, second cousins. He's marrying 14-year-olds. He's. You know, what is it about these people? They all look a little Strange. And he's got a verse. He's blended a thing and another thing. He's talking about David and Solomon. He has neither the wisdom nor the warfare stature of either of those men. So stop comparing yourself. If you want to be in that era, then we can send you to that era. You're about 2,000 years late for that idea. I thought, how many little strange things are creeping in? Because our ears aren't attuned to truth and can't tell when the shepherd's voice is being used strangely. No, John says, they won't hear that voice. In fact, they'll run away from it. It's just too strange. I think that's important. One last verse, then I'll wrap up and then we'll do a prayer together and the power will come on in your hearts. That was a trick. Ephesians 2 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers to heaven, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Do you know, every household has their ways. Some of it's strange. I'll wrap up with one last funny on me story. In my house, we used to prepare uh, meat for the braai or barbecue by putting the salt, pepper, and spices on it before you put it on the fire. In some houses, that's not acceptable. They do it while it's on the fire. I didn't know. We won't do a test now. It's not worth dividing the house of the Lord based on that. It is quite clear that my way is probably the right way. <laughs> Check. I'm argue with me later. I didn't know. So I was at somebody's house of a different culture to mine. Said culture will be ignored for now. And the man said, help me prepare the meat for the bride. He thought, take it out and put it in order of being bride. You know, the force first because it takes longer or whatever. I took out 300 grams of salt. You know, he nearly became a charismatic in that moment. Conservative as he was, he was ready. He said to me, are we preserving this meat for our children? (laughs) I'm not even joking. He was shocked. Now, of course, all the TikTok chefs have proven me right. But you can disagree, it's fine. You can be a stranger to me in that way. When you got into the household, there was a way of doing it. That's what that verse is saying. That verse is saying, when you get into the household of the family of God, you're not a stranger to us anymore. When we pray, you're comfortable in prayer. When we sing, you're okay with songs of worship. When we open our Bibles, you've become family, familiar, familiar with it. I want to challenge you. To like Lazarus, not only hear the words of Jesus, come out. Not only catch your breath and be bogged again, but now to take the five or six awkward steps out of the two and come into newness of life. Because if you do that, you will discover the remarkable thing of what it feels like to be a stranger to some and family to others And be really okay with that. I'm really okay with that. Can you say amen to that? Could we stand together to pray? Oh, thank you very much. Oh, Chris, hello. How are you, Chris? We go back all the way, many years. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, thank you for the great privilege of of change in our lives. Thank you that what seems strange to us can become familiar. And what we thought is just who we are can start to feel a bit strange to us. We'll lose the taste for it as we start to follow after you. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us to acquire a taste for righteousness and to lose the taste for worldliness. Thank you, Lord, that when we hear your voice, it'll be familiar to us. And when a stranger speaks something into our lives, we'll recognize it as a stranger's voice. We'll flee from it. We will not incorporate the voice of a stranger into the direction of our lives. Father, will you teach us not to fear awkwardness, but to allow those divine, supernatural, awkward confrontations to lead us into awesomeness, to lead us into a new journey, a new direction, a new life, and a new faith. Today, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you'll teach us to walk out of the cave into newness of life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God one more shout of praise and worship?